Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about complex post-traumatic stress. But before we jump into that topic, I want to remind you of the resources that we have available over at chrismoles.org, chrismoles.org, and in particular, PeaceWorks University. I've been talking to you about PeaceWorks University for a while now, and I do believe that's your best next step. If you've enjoyed the PeaceWorks podcast and would like to partner with us and learn more about gospel-centered responses to domestic abuse, then PeaceWorks University is your next best step. Uh, we have hundreds of resources at uh, PeaceWorks U, and I know you'll benefit from those. So check that out over at chrismoles.org. All right, so today's topic, we're, we're talking complex post-traumatic stress. That's a mouthful, and I do want to say from the outset, there's a couple disclaimers, a couple thoughts that I want to give. First of all, I'm not a diagnostician. Like My primary role as a practitioner is in education and accountability. I'm talking about this topic today because we received a question at PeaceWorks, and there is some confusion out there, especially within the Christian community, about some of the labels that are often used by mental health professionals. So first of all, let me lay out kind of where I am on the topic. First of all, labels in particular, uh, labels from the mental health community are simply that. For the most part, they're labels. They help us understand or help that community understand symptomology, what people are experiencing. I don't mind labels so much. It really doesn't bother me. And I do know there are some folks in my tribe in biblical counseling that reject the labels altogether. And I'm happy to have that conversation with them. But I think for our benefit, I'm just going to talk through uh, complex post-traumatic stress as it's presented and then give some insight from a biblical counseling perspective. But generally speaking, when I encounter a label in my practice, I really use that label to help me understand the behavior or the symptomology of the counselee or client in front of me. And so when someone is diagnosed, and this is actually important, I I don't like to throw around labels like PTSD uh, too willy-nilly. I know we do in our culture. Just because we think someone meets a category does not mean that we have the authority or power or knowledge to throw around a diagnostic. This happens a lot in domestic abuse work. This is just going to be a quick aside. Sometimes in domestic abuse work, you know, people will be labeled by their partners as bipolar or borderline or narcissistic as a general category, as something that they think personally, but that person may or may not have received a diagnosis. I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, Because if everybody's a narcissist, then no one's a narcissist kind of thing. It's like, you know, if we're the ones creating the categories, it's a little hard. And the same is true for bipolar, just because someone, and we hear this a lot from the abuser, just because your partner confuses you or they don't conform to your wishes doesn't mean 
that they're mentally ill, right? And that's just, I guess, uh, occupational hazard for me is why I kind of stem away from that because working with so many perpetrators, I hear this uh, armchair psychiatry and armchair psychology quite a bit as they throw labels at their partners. So yeah, just to get that out on the table, I use labels just to help me understand what others, in particular professionals in that world, have seen. And so when you hear a term like, and let's just use the, the more common term, post-traumatic stress disorder or post-traumatic stress, when you hear that, you can assume that the person receiving that diagnosis, right, has experienced some kind of traumatic event, right? And so when you hear complex post-traumatic stress, then it's an added layer of ongoing trauma or ongoing stress. Those are, those are really the delineations. So if you're a biblical counselor, pastor, Christian friend, and you're just trying to understand the distinction on the very basic level, when, when someone's talking about post-traumatic stress, they're talking about the impact of a traumatic event on them after the event. When they use the term complex, then more, more than likely they're talking about an ongoing series of traumatic events or their continued presence in the traumatic event. Uh, so it's this idea of repeated trauma and sometimes complex, uh, complex trauma, complex post-traumatic disorders, those type of labels and, and categories most often are used to describe victims uh, the experience of victims of things like human trafficking, ongoing childhood sexual assault, and domestic abuse, among, among other things, and are often delineated from what we in the counseling world and the church world traditionally have seen as post-traumatic stress, which is often connected to combat veterans, which is a great comparison, to be honest with you. So let's say we're working with a combat veteran who is suffering from symptoms associated with what we would call post-traumatic stress. They, they experience a traumatic event, um, such as several, several people in their um, unit who were killed in the act of, of combat in a firefight. And they are having, now that they're home, removed from wartime, they're having uh, nightmares, they're having flashbacks, they're having road rage, they're exhibiting anxiety, and counselors will often connect that traumatic event to their current suffering. This is something that biblical counselors do as well. This is something that church leaders should be aware of. The distinction that we're talking about when the word complex is added to it is that unlike our combat veteran friend who is suffering, right, legitimately suffering the effects of a traumatic event, uh, victims of ongoing trauma have experienced multiple traumatic events, or they may still be in the presence of danger. For instance, uh, their enemy may not be far removed in both time and geography. Their enemy may be in the kitchen making a bologna sandwich. So those are some of the things that I think we as biblical counselors and pastors need to be a little bit more aware of when interacting with victims of domestic abuse, for instance, who perhaps have been strangled or belittled or punched or threatened with erratic driving or 
isolated for long periods of time over the course of years, right? And so this effect of trauma is lingering and ongoing. This probably escalates, and I don't want to pigeonhole everybody because people respond to things differently. And with that said, I just want to take one other little aside here. Trauma responses in the body, I think most of us in even in the Christian world and the biblical counseling world, are recognizing that trauma responses in the body are not abnormalities. It's more probably better stated that trauma responses are normal responses, the body's regulating responses to abnormal circumstances. It's it's an assumption that I think most theologically informed biblical counselors are making that People were not designed to experience this type of horror, right? That our original design was for relationship, not for this type of wickedness. And so to see wartime destruction is abnormal, and the body has to find ways to regulate that and absorb that and, and interact with that, right? And you can go through the whole, you know, flight, fight, or freeze I'm just talking at this surface level right now. The same is true as being held hostage, being forced into uh, prostitution, being uh, coerced and controlled for decades. It has adverse effects because our body is normally is responding, I think normally, to abnormal stimuli, to uh, abnormal problems. Uh, left unchecked, like continuing down the slope, uh, traumatic events can have dramatic effects on the body as um, your brain functions at a different level. I, I've heard it said that the limbic region of your brain turns on and then doesn't turn off. Um, this creates uh, hypervigilance. This cultivates um, possible disassociation and all kinds of other symptomology that we need to be aware of. In fact, uh, probably the, the most common symptoms, I had to write this down, for you guys, but the most common symptoms associated with what we call complex post-traumatic stress are things like lack of emotional regulation. So there is um, a deregulated emotional compass that often accompanies this. There's changes in consciousness and awareness. So there can be um, varying levels of uh, breaks with reality and we'll talk maybe some about that with disassociation, which is not uncommon. Negative self-perception, uh, which is going to be common in any abusive relationship, I think. Difficulty with relationships, uh, disordered perception of the abuser, of the individual who's causing the harm. And then uh, loss of systems of meanings. And so values and value becomes distorted in a way. And we often see this in the church world where victims begin to assimilate the theological distortions projected um, by their abusers. So when we talk again, and I want to be really gracious here, when we talk about complex post-traumatic stress, I'm not talking about you know irreparable conditions. I'm just using the terminology because I think the words make sense, right? We're dealing with traumatic stress, stress related to past trauma, it's, it's made complex by ongoing realities, right? Long-term, ongoing experiences. Uh, but I don't want to 
somehow be fatalistic in saying that individuals who suffer and have this type of symptomology are irreparable or irredeemable. Although I want to warn you as a biblical counselor, pastor, people helper, um, individuals suffering at this level have a great deal of complexity in the suffering. This isn't a, well, you know, trust God, especially when you consider that, yes, trusting God is a wonderful piece of advice, but if your perception of God is significantly distorted and your perception of self is significantly distorted or your perception of self is bifurcated or um, through disassociation, you know, mental attempts um, or emotional attempts to separate oneself from the traumatic event and the ongoing trauma, then that's a big ask because who is God? <laughs> and who is God in this bifurcated, divided reality that could be present? So I just think we need to slow down as we interact with individuals who are suffering the weight of ongoing trauma and traumatic effects. How this presents in the counseling room or in the church office, the pastor's study, understand that when individuals present, they probably won't, unless they have a prior diagnosis, probably won't come into your office and say, hey, I'm suffering symptoms related to what's called complex post-traumatic stress. They will probably present with things like anxiety that's presented often in hypervigilance, right? They might present um, intrusive or controlling thoughts. So, um, you know, I can't seem to overcome this line of thinking or I think about this all the time. Um, I don't want to think about this, but it, it invades my thoughts. Nightmares or night terrors may be a presenting problem. So see what we're saying? We're just talking about the things that are presented to you that may be um, connected on the line, right? That would identify um, the complexity, complex uh, trauma, right? So there's multiple touch points here. Uh, flashbacks, and in particular flashbacks related to the traumatic event. So if you say you work with veterans from a counseling perspective and you've been working with what we call post-traumatic stress for a while, you know that that's a common reality. Flashbacks to the traumatic event, where in complex trauma you might have flashbacks to traumatic events. They may be sequential, they may not. They may be completely out of order too. So just be aware. A fragmented identity can be part of this, just a complete, I wouldn't say complete loss of identity, but misplaced identity. This makes, um, this makes individual who are, individuals who are suffering at this level incredibly vulnerable. This is why it's really important that if you are a biblical counselor, Christian counselor, or people helper, that you begin to read what you can on, on stress, post-traumatic stress, you know, or make proper referrals where necessary. I will tell you complete honesty about two-thirds of the way through today's podcast, guys, that I do not, I do not engage in cases at this level because of the time, complexity, and resources required. This would be an area where I would want to make a referral or a series of referrals because my schedule would not permit me to invest the time or the energy or the resources to a case like this, and I'm not sure I'm the best fit because of my background in education, accountability, and responsibility. So understand that I'm talking to you in attempts to answer our question this week, but also saying that this be one of those areas that I would seek help from others. 
Uh, also, you'll see a great sense of shame often in individuals suffering at this level. Um, you should expect messy, toxic, or complex relationships or series of relationships, even if you're addressing trauma that happened in childhood, say ongoing childhood sexual assault, that may be manifesting itself in current relationships or a series of current relationships. Um, just consider that. Distorted perceptions of reality, false understandings of who you are as a person, and then disassociation uh, or compartmentalization is common. And this is uh, sometimes individual suffering from complex and ongoing trauma will be misdiagnosed um, or diagnosed as DID, dissociative identity disorder. And um, I shouldn't say misdiagnosed. I just think it's just a kind of a catch-all. And I, I just want you to consider how valuable disassociation would be in some of these severe cases of traumatic assault, especially if it's ongoing assault. I mean, in my mind, if, if you're a young person experiencing ongoing sexual assault, disassociation would, would seem to be a safe maneuver if possible. Um, that doesn't mean it's healthy or that the long-term effects are beneficial, but I think you can see how disassociation, compartmentalization would be a coping mechanism um, or even a, um, a safety measure for some folks. A volatility is another symptom, self-destructive behavior, somatic disorders, which is like stress-related physical problems, so health issues that could be related back to one's level of stress. Uh, theological distortions, as we've said before, are also common individuals' views of God, and so on. Some, some quick keys if you find yourself in a situation. Again, I think referrals here are good. I think support groups and connectivity is good. Uh, I also think teams are, are well used at this point. And then also understand the complexity of the problems because some folks who present with this symptomology are in currently in dangerous situations. Yes, it's true of victims of ongoing childhood sexual assault, maybe adults who are now moving out of that and seeking help later in life, but also this is true of individuals that are caught in um, coerced or forced prostitution, human trafficking, ongoing sexual assault, ongoing domestic violence. So there are safety issues and safety protocols that counselors and biblical counselors should be following. A couple keys, patience, patience, patience. This is a counseling relationship that should be taken slowly, knowing that um, it's kind of like if you've ever uh, been fishing with a bait caster reel, if you don't put your thumb on the line, it just bird nests and you spend your whole time that you would be fishing, picking through the bird's nest and trying to get the line straight. This is a bird nest case that requires patience in the suffering. There's such a complexity layer upon layer of suffering that it requires a great deal of patience wed with compassion for sure. Make, make sure our counseling is Christ-centered. Um, it's so easy, I think, to fall into the trap of, well, here's the diagnostic of the world, so we're going to use all the world's means to meet that need. If we're talking about suffering 
at the hands of wickedness, then I know of no greater resource than Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we're trite with that or we're, we're just like glib and, and here's the, here, do this. It, it is layered upon layered, but I would want our counseling recommendations to be Christ-centered because I think he's the only hope for this depth of suffering and he understands our suffering. Uh, be people committed to truth. Truth is super important here considering that uh, one of the key issues of someone suffering complex trauma is uh, deceit and false narratives and distorted theology. Be committed to truth. And you don't have to be heavy-handed about it either. This is not, I have to convince you of truth. This is you as the caregiver and the helper being committed to truth, graciously inviting others to come along. Be committed to conformity. And this is where I differ from some of my counseling friends. I, I mean, I would recommend putting off destructive behaviors and clearing the rubble. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Sometimes folks who are suffering a great deal will come to us and there's definitely layers of trauma and suffering and pain, past pain, events that need to be addressed, but we can't even get there because the rubble of self-destructive choices. So um, discipleship, putting off, putting on, those type of things can be helpful in an attempt to clear the rubble, right? Make sure that that person's ready to do the work that they're asking you to do. And then as you begin to walk in the events that, um, that have shaped them, um, the traumatic events, be prepared as a counselor and a caregiver to grieve, to mourn. Again, committed to truth, but understanding that there's great loss here, great pain here and that you're gonna be a companion in the pain, not the solution to the pain, right? Uh, you're not a pain reliever here, you are a pain companion here. So I hope that that helps at least give some clarity initially to the, the question of what is complex post-traumatic stress? Certainly I don't wanna to go too down, far down the rabbit hole, there's plenty of resources on the internet and out in the world that are more effective than me, but I hope that clarifies some why we use those terminologies in domestic violence work, how it helps inform the work and understand the suffering of individuals that come to us for help. Thank you guys for joining us on the PeaceWorks podcast. We appreciate you all so much. Uh, looking forward to serving you and helping you in the future. Until we meet again, God bless.